Hi, this is Karen from San Francisco. And this is Alex from Los Angeles, and welcome to Movies That Shaped Us. We are two longtime friends who grew up on opposite ends of the globe with very different backgrounds, but we're both shaped and are still being shaped by the movies we see and love. In each episode, we'll cover a topic around important people, places, events, and moments in our lives, and then explore it through three of our favorite movies. So, Karan, what are we discussing today? Hmm. We have a fun topic today, don't we? Yeah, very fun. Yeah, people are <laughs> uplifting all the audience with, with this one, I think. <laughs> no, and I, I maybe it even is, but today we are going to talk about movies that shaped our feeling of loneliness. Um, and... I don't want to, it's not all a downer, we promise our, our listeners, because this is, at least to me, and I'm curious to hear from you, Alex, it's a very natural part of the human condition, you know? It doesn't have to be a sad thing, it doesn't even have to be, you know, consequential to any circumstance in your life, mm -hmm. it could be, right? but even without those things... Loneliness is something, at least in my experience, sort of floats in and floats out, always has in my life and the good times and the bad times. So I, I, to me, it's always been very much part and parcel of my life. So yeah, I'm excited to kind of talk through that a little bit. And yeah. I guess this will be a little bit of armchair therapy or should I say <laughs> microphone therapy? Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. Let's, let's both lie down on the couch and, uh, and, and go in this one. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think for me, you know, it's, um, it is something that is obviously naturally, I think part of life, like there are moments where you do feel very alone. Mm -hmm. Uh, hopefully that's not all the time. Um, but, uh, I was just thinking about back to, you know, times when I've felt that way, um, what that's made me feel because loneliness has an impact and then can have other feelings kind of attached to that. And then, um, you know, also thinking about how to get over that or com combat it or get through it, I guess I should say to combat it is a little, little too aggressive, but how I got through it and how the different movies, you know, I think a lot of the protagonists, some of them are more successful than others of kind of punching through and, and, and processing their sense of loneliness. Cause again, it can take you in some really bad places. Uh, but other times it's again, just a natural part of life and you learn from it and you know, you move on and then you just know it's going to come again at some point. Yeah, I totally agree. That's sort of how I approach my list. Although I think my list was leaning more towards, and maybe this has to do with my problem solving mind. Cause I'm mm -hmm. always like that, that if anything hits me, I have one evening or a night of a downer, but then I'm immediately like, okay, what am I doing about this? So I think mm. a lot of my list is based on how I tried to get through it, like you were saying as well, uh, mm -hmm. and what sort of helped me, because I've obviously psychoanalyzed myself to death about <laughs> each of these you know, aspects and chapters of my life, mm -hmm. uh, the why behind it. So yeah. <laughs> All right, with that said, should we dive into our lists? Yeah, let's do it. Cool. Do you want to start? Sure. I'll, I'll kick this off. Three? Yeah. My my number three film that shaped uh, my feeling of loneliness is Coraline from 2009. This is a stop motion film directed by Henry Selleck, starring the voices of Dakota Fanning, Terry Hatcher, and John Hodgman. And the INDB plot summary is, an adventurous 11-year-old girl finds another world that is strangely idealized version of her frustrating home but it has a sinister secret. So this is a movie that I, I chose because I was thinking back to just different types of loneliness that, I, that I've experienced. And I think as a child, at least, there is a very kind of specific type of loneliness that you feel when you're younger and still living at home. And, and that's the, the part of your life. And maybe this is also kind of a phase too, where 
you know, your parents are kind of busy. They have lives, they have jobs, things like that. Um, and, and you're no longer a little child, so they're not spending a lot of time caring for you. Um, and then you also don't feel like uh, they understand you either. Um, and there's a sense of boredom that sets in too. And then that can be very lonely. I mean, this character is uh, just moved. So she her friend circle is no longer there. Um, and I can definitely mm-hmm. relate to that at different times in my life too. And boredom kind of breeds loneliness if you're if you're a child. Um, does that, uh, yeah, in terms of, have you, had, had you seen this film before actually? I'll start with that. Yeah, no, I had seen it and I don't remember much of it, but I remember really enjoying it and liking it and also mm-hmm. being scared by it, but also wowed by it. I think this is one of the first stop motion movies I'd seen. So mm. it definitely left uh, a mark. Um, mm-hmm. But to your point of, it's interesting. I was thinking about that because I moved a lot too. I don't know if I've shared this on the podcast, but I grew up as an army brat. So we moved a lot, you know, mm-hmm. sort of lock, stock and barrel, new place, no friends, new school, all of it. And in theory, that can lead to a lot of that kind of loneliness because you're sort of plopped from one place and you're in no man's land, you know, two years after. Mm -hmm. But I think I got very lucky because our family unit of four felt like such a constant through all of that change, especially Mm. my sister, my mom and I, like we were each other's best friends. So I'm sure there were moments of sort of what you talked about, kind of boredom or loneliness. But for the most part, looking back at my childhood and even teenage years or you know early teens and such, I didn't really experience much of that. Well, um, that's not that's good. Yeah, that you had that family. Kind of, yeah, exactly. To the and maybe I felt some of the opposite. Uh, I suppose that oh, I would love to kind of venture out and just do my own thing sometimes. Because mm. <laughs> you're right, um, right. Because you're all you have that unit. And sometimes you just want to be on your own. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely different than you know. In Coraline, clearly, like a lot of this actually, her frustrations are with her parents, right? That they won't yeah. hang out with her, they won't play with her. Um, she doesn't have those friends, and then finds this other world that, like the plot summary described, is this perfect world where like the parents are giving her everything mm-hmm. that she wants and are there to, you know, entertain her and, and uh, play with her when, when she needs. Um, and that is obviously everything she wants. And it's kind of instantly given to her. And she's like, Oh, great. Like, why would I then go back to my real, my real parents and my real life? Cause this is sort of a, a perfect, a perfect life. And then as mm-hmm. the plot summary says too, like it does turn into sort of a nightmare world. And I kind of view that again, as I was thinking about each of my films, it's like, how do you process loneliness? And, you know, she kind of gets, uh, deceived in a way by this mm-hmm. button world of these, you know, uh, evil versions of all the people that she knows and loves that it's an easy fix that your loneliness solved just by other people doing things for you. Um, there's no effort that she has to put into it. It's just, okay, well, if you guys were just play with me more then I wouldn't be lonely instead of mm-hmm. like, like you were just saying, right? Like, you know, maybe it's reaching out to her parents or maybe it's finding something else to do and going outside and, mm-hmm. you know, meeting someone new in the town, which there are some interactions she makes with some of the neighbors and things. Um, But, you know, I think the lesson in this movie, at least through the lens of loneliness to me was that you you have to own your own um, Mm -hmm. solve here. Um, And that it's not an easy solution and you can't expect others to help you through this. It's something Mm -hmm. that you have to kind of look inside and figure out, okay, what is it really that'll help get, get through this time of, of feeling lonely? Cause even in this film, I don't think it's ever meant to be permanent. Um, Mm -hmm for her. But uh, so I think that's sort of how I read the lesson of this, um, that not only is it very unique in terms of how, you know, as a kid, boredom equals loneliness, but even in that scenario too, entertain yourself, you know, I mean, I know this movie was set in 
I don't know if there's a time period or some alternate world. There was no internet. It's not like she can, you know, get on uh, Twitter or Instagram and spend the time, which now a day is for better or for worse. We can, we can do that. <laughs> um, so boredom's not maybe as much of an issue for us. Um, but uh, yeah, the, the fix is not easy. Yeah. And to your point, like you have to own a part of it, mm-hmm. uh, especially if you're able, you know, cause this is loneliness can be such a layered, complicated subject because it ventures in the territory of mental health and such sure, exactly pretty right, easily, right. you know. Mm-hmm. So there might be situations where somebody just isn't able mm-hmm. to do that. And that's sort of becomes a totally different thing. But, exactly. but yeah, if you are able, some of the onus is on you too. Um, but that said, it's also hard as a child, you know, of when course. you're moving up and down and such. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, this movie is so brilliantly crafted too. And maybe this is stating the obvious, but like coming up with the idea of the button world. And mm-hmm. like, to me, I always read that as eyes are such a kind of core expression device for mm-hmm. human connection or even living connection of any kind. Right. That right. You take that away. It's sort of, yeah, all the nice things are being said. And, you know, mom is making pot roasts and pies and dad is there, you know, playing with you and what have you. But, if those eyes and that expression and that real true warmth, mm-hmm. which has is layered, right? Sometimes it's it's connection is warm. Sometimes it's you know you're being ignored as a child. Sometimes you're being scolded. Like it's all of the above. Like that's exactly. what the other message is that you can't just latch on to the things that you think you want from your parents or your relationships because that's not a complete picture of a relationship. Um, So in many ways, like taking away the eyes and replacing them with buttons sort of kind of exemplifies that or or it manifests in that way, which I thought is very clever. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I think a lot of the, they take advantage of the fact that this is stop motion. So you can do a lot more interesting things than definitely you could live action, uh, but even sort of more traditional hand-drawn or CG animation. And I do love that the, uh, even her as a character uh, in the in the real world, the real world's very kind of drab, but she really stands mm-hmm. out with her, you know, mm-hmm. yellow jacket and her blue purple hair. Um, and yeah. it really just shows how she doesn't fit in. Um, she doesn't yeah. blend in with everything else that's going on. And which is sort of the opposite of, you know, a lot of loneliness might you might want to put a very colorful world with one character who's all, you know, in uh, in black and white and kind of moping around. Um, and it's interesting that they kind of flipped it. Uh, where the world is the thing that's boring because it's not entertaining her. And she has, you know, she's trying to make connections, but in the button world, everything is really colorful. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, the, the craft involved in this is just uh, next level. I mean, it's Amazing. definitely one of the best uh, stop motion animated films. I saw this in the theater and it was in 3D. And I can't recall actually if I saw it mm-hmm. in 3D when I saw it. Um, but even watching it now again for the podcast on in 2D, you can really just see like the sense of depth especially as she goes into that button world through that tunnel that is even just like yeah. very, uh, very cool though. It's still in 2d. Pretty amazing. Actually. Um, I know in some older podcasts, I might've made a comment of like stop motion, you know, may not be my thing. I think when we did the oh nightmare, nightmare on Christmas, yeah, night before Christmas. exactly. I take back my words. Oh, okay. <laughs> After watching this movie and as I was watching, we were like, Oh, actually I do like this a lot. This is really, really well done. Yeah, same director. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, same director. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Pretty amazing. Yeah. Um, okay, so let's move on from Coraline then. What is your number three film that uh, exemplifies your feelings of loneliness? 
All right. So my number three is a movie that came out not too long ago, uh, Empire of Light. Uh, it's a 2022 film directed by Sam Mendes, starring Olivia Colman, uh, Michael Ward, Colin Firth, Toby Jones. Uh, a quick logline, a drama about the power of human connection during turbulent times set an, in an English coastal town in early 1980s. Terrible description. This um, <laughs> <laughs> well, surface level, that is what the film is. Sure, yes. exactly. But yeah. the movie is really about Olivia's character who is facing a lot of mental health uh, challenges mm -hmm. uh, and is definitely a lonely person. And it's about the connections that she finds through the small community around this movie theater and also through movies, actually, mm -hmm. um, and how the snowballs in various ways and is also happening at a time when there's just a lot of racial tension and sort of other external factors that are happening in in the UK, which sort mm -hmm. of further add to her own, you know, trauma and whatever she's dealing with. Um, so I put this movie on my list because from a, again, from a solution standpoint, mm -hmm. this is going to sound very corny, but in my life of, you know, being alone in various places, not having friends or even having friends, but still sort of being alone or not having a partner or mm -hmm. all of those things. I think movies have been a big part of my, my community. Uh, there's something about, it, and I'm going to sound so corny saying this, people are going to laugh, but, <laughs> <laughs> but there's been something about walking into a movie theater, watching an amazing movie, especially if it's well done, getting moved and excited by it in all the ways and having the shared experience with, people that you don't really know, but now through the shared experience, you've kind of, you know, form a connection with all these people. And I think there's something about that that's been such a, such a medicine for me in mm -hmm. my life that I think that part really resonated with me in this movie. Like Olivia's character initially actually doesn't even watch a movie because she's never really been into it. She just right. works there. Exactly. She's um, such a job for her. Exactly. But the movie theater community is definitely a big part of how she's even she's able to get out of bed and sort of, you know, live a life and do the things. And she meets Michael, Michael Ward and they form a great connection. So she's definitely kind of gaining and giving a lot back from a people standpoint, but mm -hmm. not so much about the movie itself. Uh, but we see that journey and that moment does happen. And it's a pretty powerful moment in the film uh, mm -hmm. but but yeah curious if you'd seen this movie i mean i this is a recent movie so you probably just saw it now i i would think for the podcast yeah it was a movie that i had wanted to see and then when it came out and got so like savaged by the critics i was like okay oh, yeah. well maybe i don't need to see this because i do like a lot of sam mendez's films and olivia coleman's a great actress and roger deakins who's the dp is one of my favorites um yeah. so i maybe i would have eventually come around to this at some point just out of curiosity. Um, but I did obviously watch it for, for this. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting. It was interesting because um, a lot of the things you just said are um, resonate with me as well. Like that, uh, you know, feeling of being in a, like having movies sort of help and be that solve um, for that feeling of loneliness, even though ironically, it's not like, you know, the people around you and it is a very solitary mm -hmm. experience in a way because you're just looking at a, a screen um, mm -hmm. But something about that is that there is a magic of movies. So mm -hmm. it is cheesy, but that's fine. There's nothing wrong with 
with being cheesy. You know, in fact, actually, I was at a movie theater the other the other day and it was raining a lot in L.A., feeling kind of lonely myself, uh, went to Minton Movie Theater. There's only one other guy in it. Um, but that was it still felt like, OK, I'm not alone. There's one other person yeah. watching this movie with me. And it was a great film and all that kind of stuff. Um, so it still can happen. You don't even have to have a packed theater. That's really the yeah. magic of the movies. Um, so I think the themes in this movie around, again, finding your community, um, you know, film being part of that, you know, definitely I, I resonated. Uh, it resonated with me on a lot of those things. I do find the execution of this movie to be pretty bad um, oh, yeah. and cheesy and, and not so good ways, um, kind of ham fisted. And I, I can see why if especially if the theme doesn't resonate with you, like people could easily savage this film for plenty totally. of different reasons. And even Olivia Coleman's performance, I think uh, she didn't really have a much safety. She was doing some things. I was like, I don't know. This isn't really working for me. Um but uh, I think maybe like you, I mean, I don't know if you found as many flaws in the film as I did, but because the theme does really, uh, you know, I definitely believe that that movies are, um, you know, help helpful with loneliness. And a lot of my community is around film community, just like her. I sort of could look past all that things. And I wouldn't say it's as bad as people made it out to be. It was sort mm -hmm. of my my point of view on this. Yeah. Yeah. I think I came out a little bit more positive on this. I actually really thought her performance was amazing. Um, mm. And the combination of her performance, amazing score by... Yeah, the score uh, Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross, and then, mm -hmm. of course, Roger Deacon's cinematography. Like, that combination. And there's something otherworldly about her performance in my mind as well. Like, technical preparation aside, but just mm -hmm. the hauntedness and how she's going about her life and... All of that, that really landed well on me. I think the stuff that didn't land well with me, which has sort of been a common complaint with this film, is that it has just too many themes going on. Right, right, that, right. And that's why what you were saying, it feels a little bit ham-fisted in that sense because there isn't much time to really deal properly with the external factors, the racial yeah. tension, and yeah. and then her. Like I wish they had just focused on her story and that would have been perfect because everything that was happening with her storyline made a lot of sense to me. It was very moving. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, this is on a personal note because I also watched this movie alone because it was one of those days. I was like, oh, I'm just going to go and watch this in the theater by myself. Mm. Oh, and, you went to the theater. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. There's something about the experience that it took me back to those times when I used to do that quite a bit. And I was sort of, new in town or didn't have many friends or didn't have a partner in my life or any of that stuff that this is maybe sharing way too much, but I wept after watching this oh, movie. Wow. wow. Not in the theater. It's yeah, sort of yeah, was yeah. a delayed reaction. Mm -hmm. Like it hit me hours after watching this movie. And Interesting. Yeah. this is really why this movie is on the list. No, no. Yeah. It's not, you know, brilliant in, in, in all the ways, but it sort of hit me a lot after so and i don't know what that says about me but, well, but I mean, it just is. says the movie landed really well with you and a lot of times i have some aspects reactions. of it yeah with, with where films will like sit with you for a while or all of a sudden yeah. you'll hit the, the emotional resonance of the film will sort of hit you a little bit later if it was that unique of an experience yeah I, I did not see this in the theater i just saw it on i think it was like hbo max or what have you for, for the, for yeah, the yeah, podcast yeah. um but yeah, uh yeah yeah i'm glad i checked it out i mean again i think it was it's definitely not good per se, but it's not as bad as people say it was. 
Um, I think yeah. a lot of the, the things you were touching on too, like the racial piece of this just did not work at all for me and just felt kind of, uh, yeah, like out of place in a way that was sort of odd. Um, yeah. But enough of the other themes, you know, hit me. So I'm, I'm glad I saw it finally. Cause again, I don't think it's as bad as people say. I mean, it is beautiful too. So. Like they did a great yeah. job with that set of, I don't know if that was a actual theater or if they built the thing for the film, but so many of the shots about, yeah. So many of the shots, especially in the beginning, uh, where there's a lot of wide shots and just Coleman's alone. And it's the, again, mm -hmm. that sense of loneliness, but the theater sort of always there in the background of a lot of the shots sort of say that's kind of looming over uh, the um, the proceedings and her feelings of like, this could be the safety that that she could have. Mm -hmm. uh, I just think mm -hmm. Deegan's always does a great job. Even if the film isn't great, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. glad I glad I saw it. I'm glad to hear that too. Um, okay. What is your number two? Um, so my number two film is Taxi Driver from 1976. This is a film directed by Martin Scorsese, starring Robert De Niro, Jodie Foster, and Shepard. Yeah, I think, I think everyone's probably <laughs> heard of all these folks in the <laughs> film, but I'll read the plot summary anyway, in case there are some people that, that aren't aware of this movie. Um, a mentally unstable veteran works as a nighttime taxi driver in New York City, where the perceived decadence and sleaze fuels his urge for violent actions. So this film I wanted to uh, include here because... I think not only does it do a very good job, in, in my view, of capturing a main character who is very lonely, but in terms of when I was talking about earlier solutions to things, I mean, he definitely takes the wrong path and a path that can be tempting uh, when you are um, when you are feeling this alone and isolated. And tempting means he's essentially projecting his feelings and anger at the fact that he is so lonely. He has no friends. He you know he lives by himself. He just sort of sits at home, watches TV, eats like. TV dinner, basically. Um, and she takes that out on everybody else and sort of blames society and the city and, oh, there's some scum everywhere. And he can't deal with his own issues. So instead, he's like projecting that out to others. And, you know, that is something that in the darkest moments when you are feeling very lonely, sometimes it does manifest as anger, not at oneself, but you sort of turn it out to the rest of the world. Um, and he definitely responds that way in this film and takes it all the way to a very violent end of the movie, um, which uh, again is believable for what this character is. And I'm, I'm, you know, it's sort of helping you understand not like condone at all, but understand where people that lash out like this kind of come from. Um, does that, does that kind of resonate with you when you were seeing it too? Totally resonates. And that's sort of the brilliance of this movie and Robert De Niro's towering performance yeah. is that, it drives empathy, you know, for even the most troubled right. characters, you sort of understand uh, or you try to understand and you empathize with, with that condition. So, yeah, mm -hmm. that resonates a lot. Right. I mean, the grounding, the main character, I mean, a lot of this is Paul Schrader's script um, as well. Yeah. And yes, De Niro and Scorsese, too, but that he's able to have a main character that is so revolting and does such terrible mm -hmm. things but is also very damaged and you understand his whole journey down to, to you know down to the very end um and, and the parts of that film too where he's trying to you know do the things that i think do help with loneliness which is find somebody else that um you can share a connection with and i don't say like latch onto them but you know you kind of use them to add a connection with somebody else to kind of move yourself out of loneliness and without civil shepherd but unfortunately he has i think just too many issues where he can't even relate to her and he's not really into her as for her own sake or trying to get to know her no. as a person. It's more just like, well, you kind of look attractive. So 
I'm going to assume that you're not one of the scum and I'm going to take you right. around. But then the second that she's like, wait a second, like you're taking me to like a porno theater, like this is kind of weird, which is yeah. totally the right reaction and totally yeah. normal. He then turns on her too. And is like, oh, yeah. well then if she's, you know, she, then no one can save me. And then he really goes down the path of deciding to lash out in a violent way. Um, you know, first against politicians and then against other criminals. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think the other big thing is, at least for me, why you empathize a little bit or at least try to is because he's, you do see him at points where he can be very charming. Yes. Where yes. he can put it on somehow, which I think, grounds it in a lot more of a human kind of way mm -hmm. you know versus if this was all about somebody just being one note about right. you know about the thing that he is struggling with i don't think you'll have that kind of empathy or you wouldn't get like a total picture so there's something about the juxtaposition of you know all sides of him that you see in this film which it's it's a it's a full person you know exactly which goes a long way Right, right. And even in the end, when he decides to, you know, save that teenage prostitute, Jodie Foster's character, mm -hmm. and goes after his, the, you know, her pimp and try to try to basically mm -hmm. free her. I mean, that is a heroic act. I mean, it's not something that individuals are supposed to do. Like, that's why we have law enforcement. Um, right. So it's not like you are, again, condoning it. But at the same time, you it, it, he's he's kind of lashing out at the at the right at the right people. Um, at the end and actually the end of this movie too I hadn't seen this in a while uh, maybe like 10 years since rewatching it for the podcast what did you make of the ending like he comes back and he he seems is he now no longer lonely I was trying to figure this out like what the ending is supposed to to mean uh, when he basically gets back in his cab and he seems fine and he's just kind of drive around see Sybil Shepherd again and then the movie you know kind of ends like how did you did you interpret him getting over this is he like cured or something or is it just again that false face that he's putting on and something else could trigger him later oh yeah this is this only this halo only stays till one evening maybe the weekend mm -hmm. that's it it's it's this is like a serious mental health condition in my mind like mm -hmm. i don't think he gets cured just like that at all i think he'll find like a new cause and in some ways He's taken away that, oh, I was appreciated and I'm a hero now right. uh, in what I've done. And that can create more problems, frankly, because you're not actually. And, right. and the thing you did wasn't the right thing. I mean, maybe it was right in some ways because you were going after bad people for maybe for the right cause. Mm -hmm. you know, child prostitution is definitely not good. No, no. But I don't, he could have gone after anybody. So I don't know if this actually propels him to do even more because now he's been rewarded for it in like a weird way. So that's a really, good I think point. this only gets worse. Yeah. Yeah. And, and with the ending too, that uh, he is sort of how he's created a hero. Like he's basically called a hero in the press and on the news. Yeah. It's interesting because he had his worldview before was very black and white. You know, there's scum everywhere yeah. and I'm the hero. And then the press is the same way. Like they have to be like, oh, this guy's a hero. Like they're trying to create a scenario that is not black, uh, that is black and white as well, which sort of, I guess, turns it back on you as like the audience or just media in general too of like, well, you guys are kind of doing the same thing he's doing, which is boiling things yeah. down to a very black and white situation. And really nothing is, um, which is kind of an interesting, uh, yeah, interesting thing to say at the end of the movie too. But uh, no, I think this film is definitely a masterpiece. I mean, even from like a production design standpoint, the music, 
the the way that the city like you can smell like New York City through this movie. Um, mm-hmm. It smells gross. <laughs> this the mm-hmm. 70s version of New York mm-hmm. with like the smoke everywhere and and uh, you know the desaturated camera stuff at the end. I mean, it's uh, it really is a an, an experience. I again, I hadn't watched it in a while, but be- I knew immediately it had to be on this list because it still sits you know sits with me all the time because it's such a powerful movie. Totally. I mean, this is like a masterpiece and it should be probably is in like the top 10 pantheon of yeah. movies yeah. ever, ever made. But the thing of what you're saying is that all the crafts and the cast and everybody's performing at the top of their game, but for whatever reason, it doesn't feel pretentious. It doesn't right. feel mm-hmm. like all of this stuff is, you know, in service of nothing. Like everything feels very purposeful. It's in service of the story and the mood that they're trying to create, but Mm -hmm. it's also somehow very effortless, which is such a hard balance to strike because you can see through those choices, like not to kind of compare it to Empire of Light, which is flawed in many ways, but Mm -hmm. there, a lot of these choices, they don't necessarily serve the story because often the story itself is also not it doesn't it's not hanging together i mean it's mm-hmm. unfair for me to compare taxi driver <laughs> to any other movie <laughs> yeah yeah uh, especially empire but, of light but especially empire of light yeah. or yeah but i think that's what is so amazing about this movie is that it just feels very effortless but then leaves you like i think i told you after i watched this movie uh, on text or something i couldn't sleep that night because yeah. it's it sort of haunts you and stays with you um and performances across the board oh my gosh every single person even the taxi i forget his name but the the taxi operator guy in the beginning oh yeah 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 every single person is like incredible uh and scorsese was so young right this is like I, how I old know. is he when he made this movie he's i think in his early 30s uh he's in the movie too he plays like a, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, one of the uh passengers in the cab but it is mm-hmm. incredible just to and De Niro too was at the beginning of his career as well. Um, just all these, and obviously Jodie Foster too, who just puts on an incredible performance incredible at the performance. age of 13 or however old she is. Um, it's just what she can like that world weariness that she brings to that character is, is incredible. Um, but yeah, it's like everyone really is firing on, on the top of uh, on all cylinders, top of their game. Um, but it all comes together in something that you're right. It's not, it, it feels earned, I guess, um, which is like mm-hmm. some of the other things, not to go back to Empire Light, but, you know, that <laughs> part of the, especially the racial stuff and that didn't feel earned to me. It felt kind of like tacked on. And this yeah. every single frame, you know, every single frame does, um, you know, it's uh, it is it's a work that is uh, like no other, I think. I, yeah, totally. I mean, on the performance side, like. It's so lived in, you mm-hmm. know, Uh what Robert Nero is doing by like the way he looks at Harvey Keitel when he's having that conversation, uh, when he visits, there's just so much on his face and his eyes. Like you're seeing his own mental condition, the way we've seen it so far, but you're mm-hmm. seeing it getting triggered in all sorts of ways. And you see him kind of what we talked about Meryl on Sophie's choice. You can see the actor as the character thinking through and processing yes. what is being thrown at them, which is when I see that done in a way that these people can do it, it just, I, I'm just completely speechless. How can you do that? It's just amazing. Uh, and then with Jody and him, you see this odd connection because they are, 
I mean, some there's some literal things the way she's putting sugar on the jam on the toast. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But then there's like an actual kinship of sort, whether it's real or not, or how much of it is projected. But you really see that these people are. She's also damaged in her own way mm-hmm. for whatever has happened in her life. Right, um, right. So yeah, amazing. It is. It totally is. Okay, well, moving along from the streets in New York. Let's uh, go to your number two. What's your number two film? <laughs> so from the dark and real and masterpiece-ness, if that's a word, I'm going to going back to my cheese land. Okay. Uh, <laughs> what do we got? Uh, this movie is called Last Chance Harvey from 2008, um, directed by... Joel Hopkins, starring Dustin Hoffman, Emma Thompson, and a whole bunch of other folks. Uh, quick logline, in London for his daughter's wedding, a rumpled man finds his romantic spirits lifted by a new woman in his life. Rumpled. I like I, this word. I've me, not I was, heard this word. I haven't either. I'm just saying, and that's a very accurate description of his character, this film totally. too. He's very rumpled. Yeah. Yes. Very rumpled. That's very yeah. good. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so... I put this movie on my list because I was thinking a lot about, in my life, one of the things in my solution-oriented way that I've highlighted for myself, (laughs) which is what resonated with this movie for me was, you can often fall into a lot of loneliness when you don't really get out and make room for other people and other experiences to enter in your life. Yes, And we really see that in Emma Thompson's character's case where you know, it's the mother, it's the job, it's the friend, it's something else. And you're just not prioritizing yourself and what's important for you. And you're just letting all that go away. And there's always an excuse, you know, and they're all real things. And they're coming from a good place of kind of taking care of people around you, but you sort of shut yourself out to other possibilities completely. uh, And you become sort of passive in your own life. Um, and I think that's something I, I don't know if I've done that to that degree, but there's an aspect of that, that, that resonates with me, uh, that mm-hmm. I might have touched on and then caught myself that, Oh, what am I doing? Like I have to kind of take things in my own hands a little bit more here and get out and, you know, have more experiences and what have you. So that's really why this movie's on the list. Uh, other than that, Actually, I'll pause there. Had you seen this movie before? No, uh, I for some not reason, even heard of it. I I remember seeing the trailer back in two thousand six <laughs> for some other movie and being like, "That looks cheesy." I just I don't know why oh, yeah. that that I remember that thought. Um, so yeah. I had not seen it uh, until this very uh, bad this trailer as well. I, I don't even remember. I just remember like, oh gosh, like that. You know, that that movie looks cheesy and a movie for old people. <laughs> <laughs> which it is you know it's both which those it things is. but i you know i actually uh i was going into this being like okay i think i know what this is just you know going to become some kind of paint by numbers you know movie that uh, old people like watch and then fall asleep on the couch to or something but i was charmed by it i think it really goes down to the two leads um did just oh, such yeah. a great job justin hoffman can play rumpled very well and yeah. emma thompson can play someone who it's like her loneliness and those excuses seem to be coming from, you know, a, a place of like caring too much about other people. So she's not prioritizing herself. 
and you you do want them to to end up together and you understand why each of them sparks something in the other person though mm-hmm. you know she really ha- i mean he's very rumpled i'll keep using that word but he's not a oh, yeah. he's not a very friendly or nice guy especially no. in the scene where they're kind of meeting for the first time or not the first time but when they're uh sitting down at the airport and she's reading the book right. and he's literally like annoying her and i was almost totally. being like buddy like you're not getting anywhere with this like what are you doing stop being so rumpled <laughs> um but she is able to kind of like kind of get beyond that um and uh and let him in and and they both uh yeah find each other in this yeah now like you said i think the movie really hangs on on these two and sometimes i have to give credit to the filmmakers when they know they have great actors at their mm-hmm. hand and just let them do their thing and and yes it's cheesy but there is something i don't know sweet and charming and kind of magical about the storyline to me where yes, yeah you know, you might be stuck in whatever world you're in, your job is not going well, you're not having fun, or you haven't met the right people, you haven't prioritized, what have you. And then suddenly some sort of a ray of light emerges in the most unplanned, unforeseen way. I mean, you're sitting at the airport lounge. Mm-hmm. And but I think that's the joy of it because you often find these rays of light when you're expecting them the least. Right, right. You know? Yeah. And that's when that's in my mind and my experience, that's the only time when you can actually capture them. Because if you're too premeditated in in waiting or planning or manifesting these things that are supposed to, you know, come and make your life better, they don't really go that way often, at least in my experience. So there's something about and I think that's why she goes with it, because it's just so odd. Yeah, and it is. It's so yeah. unforeseen and so whatever he's doing is so weird and even repulsive in some ways that mm-hmm. she's like, okay, sure. And then I love how the day goes on after that, you know, and they sort of get to know each other. Uh, and they're also meeting each other at a time where things are a little bit rock bottom. I think that's the yeah. other yeah. key thing, you know, mm-hmm. that when do you meet, when you'll probably open the door when the time is right. And I think whether they know it or not, but the time is right because yeah. things are not looking very good. <laughs> right, right. And it's easy in those situations to, again, give up or, you know, just sort of admit defeat on that feeling of, yeah. of loneliness. Um, and uh, even if there's someone bothering you at the airport in a way where, again, he deserved to get like completely ignored. Um, and actually, he's not really nice to many. Like, you can kind of see how in the, you know, the beginning of the film, they set up, he hasn't seen his daughter in a long time. He's going to a wedding and yet she chose another guy to give her away and doesn't even want yeah. him. And it sort of sucks for him, but I'm almost like, yeah, no, you kind of deserve it. You're not really a, a good father oh, yeah. and a good, like, you know, haven't been there for these people. Um, so he kind of, I don't want to say deserves to be lonely, but you, you kind of see, oh yeah, now I get why you're this way. Uh, yeah. And then you're not giving other people a chance. And uh, the fact that Emma Thompson decided to give him a chance and then she was rewarded for it because they did have a connection and they both mm-hmm. made each other's lives better is uh, a lesson, I think, in that of, yeah, you never really know what's going to happen. Just kind of go with it. And, uh, you know, maybe someone who seems very rumpled can get smoothed out, you know, <laughs> ironed out or whatever the. Yeah, I should be taking a shot at the number any if anytime anybody says the word rumpled. It's a great, it's a great thing. Yeah. It's a great I, word. Yeah. Yeah. And speaking of great uh words and lines, there was a the part at the very end of the movie when Emma Thompson just sort of again talking about how she did kind of give up, um, where she's saying she just feels comfortable being disappointed. And that's like her life now. Mm-hmm. And that's 
it's very easy mm-hmm. to get stuck in those situations. Sometimes you're stuck in a rut and it's just like, okay, yep. Everything's going to suck. And you just kind of go with it. And then at some point you have to, I guess, trick yourself into thinking, no, it doesn't always have to be like this. Don't be comfortable being, mm-hmm. you know, lonely and disappointed and mm-hmm. take a little bit of a chance. You never know where that might go. Totally fight it. Um, and you're right. I think both of them are representing like different flavors of loneliness and how they got there. In his yes. case, it seems like a lot of that has been brought on it on himself by himself, and mm-hmm. he, you know, in spite of himself, honestly. Right. Versus right. in her case, she's just sort of fallen into it, and then it sort of becomes this vicious cycle, and there's no way for her to get out of it. So it's sort of interesting that you're seeing two slightly different portrayals of loneliness and maybe that's what clicks you know you can sort of see that in the other person uh at a very kind of cellular level perhaps uh, right so right yeah they, they found each other at the right time and yeah. uh, they gave each other what the other person needed to not only feel seen and and heard and not lonely but um yeah like needed to snap out of the the cycle that both of them were in which i think both of them were self-imposed for different reasons yeah. Um, and, and sometimes those are the hardest things to, to actually break from is when they are sort of these self-imposed, you know, prison you're putting yourself in, um, yeah. those are the hardest ones to break out of sometimes. Totally. Cause they keep triggering you to keep going deeper and deeper. You right. Know? If you're going to be an asshole at work and asshole to your kids and what have you, people are going to, you're going to shoot them away and then you're going right. to get more lonely. Then you're going to act more. So it just sort of mm-hmm. keeps going in his case, especially, um, by the way, I love the mother calling her at all times of the oh. day. It's just, I mean, it's a bit of a gag, but it's also kind of sad and sweet. And yeah, it all, that part always gets me and, and she, yeah, <laughs> uh, it's, it's very funny, but yeah, I found the movie kind of charming and, uh, cheesy, but in a, in a good way. And I think to your yeah. point, you said earlier, it's all really down to the two actors If if this had been another person in the male role uh, i don't think this character would have had any empathy be unwatchable and it'd be like this guy sucks you know and uh emma thompson would just seem sort of like a sad sack or too yeah. frazzled but she puts something else into it and you you know you care about both these characters even though they're very flawed yeah and that's that's the best part you know going back to our actors episode this is right. what they can do inject that humanity and elevate the material and and they're you know fully rounded human beings um exactly all right on that note what is your number one so my number one film that uh shaped my feelings of loneliness is anomalisa from 2015 this is another stop motion film i guess stop motion is a very lonely medium uh, maybe uh this is probably is kind of is in a way actually drawing and you're yeah. Even to make it, because the artists have to sit there and move something a centimeter and then take a photo and then a centimeter and you're just there by yourself. Um, I couldn't. I couldn't. Uh, <laughs> me neither. Uh, this is a film written and directed by Charlie Kaufman, um, starring only three actors, voice, the voices of uh, David Thewlis, Jennifer Jason Lee, and Tom Noonan. And the IMDb plot summary is, a man crippled by the mundanity of his life experiences something out of the ordinary so this film and why i put it number one is because it to me does a very brilliant job of capturing what i found to be sometimes the hardest form of loneliness you know the other two films that that i that i talked about you know Coraline didn't feel connected to any uh you know her family and taxi driver was living alone 
um, that character. Whereas the main character in this movie, you know, has a, has a kid, has a wife, is very well known at work. Like he's actually going to a conference where everyone knows who he is. Um, and yet he feels incredibly lonely. So it's, it's really that feeling of being lo- alone in a crowd, even though surrounded by people that you feel are your friends, are your loved ones. But in those moments, you do feel completely isolated and alone. And the thing that this film uh, does brilliantly in terms of showing this, because this wasn't necessarily a plot description, is um, everyone in the movie has the same face and the same voice, whether they're men, women, the the, the puppets do because they're stop motion, except for the Mm -hmm. main character. He has uh, his own voice and his own face, and he meets uh, Lisa in, in the film, the Anomalisa from the title. And the reason why he is so drawn to her is she he hears another voice for the first time. Um, which is, again, exemplifying the fact that uh, he's not alone, perhaps, because there is somebody else in this world. And I thought that was such a brilliant way of showing how sometimes you can't just feel like everyone is just the same person uh, because mm-hmm. no one is you. Um, and uh, I, yeah, actually, I'll first ask you, had you seen this film before? Oh, yeah, I think I saw it the year it came out. It yeah. was a big kind of talked about movie. I, I obviously admire Charlie Kaufman a whole lot. Uh, and yeah, I was blown away by the artistry of it, the themes of this movie and mm-hmm. how those two kind of match. Mm-hmm. I had not seen it since. It's obviously a, a pretty heavy movie and a hard movie yeah, yeah. to go back to. Uh, but I was I was very happy if that's a word to go back to it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And actually connecting back to the movie we were just talking about with Dustin Hoffman's character, you know, you kind of get at the reasons behind the main character's yeah. loneliness. He's an asshole. He is a total selfish, cannot see yep. anyone but himself. And it's a jerk literally. to everyone. <laughs> well, actually, that's again, what's so great is literally yeah. is that. Um, so it's is the world of his own making. And because we can't understand anyone but himself, that is a very isolating thing. And really the path to um, to connections with other people is to not only just think about yourself and you have to think about someone else. And, you know, in this movie, it's it's odd too because when Lisa first shows up, she's different to him, but it's not even like he learns anything and tries to actually get to know her as a person. Wow. He's just using her as a, you're something different to me, like keep talking right. or there's some connection that we have. But instead of trying to understand it, like in the film we just talked about, Last Chance Harvey, where those, you know, those two people are trying to understand each other to help get out of their loneliness even though he meets that person at the right, right person, right time, but he totally squanders it because he's so totally. selfish and cannot see beyond himself. So eventually at the end of the movie, she morphs back into same voice, same face. Um, and you mm-hmm. feel bad for him. Uh, mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's like, dude, you ha- this is your shot and you blew it because you still just can't get over your own selfishness. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's very sad uh, in that sense. Um, but yeah, the artistry, and this kind of very literal metaphor just makes this so much more tactile and deeper mm-hmm. that you're experiencing it through his eyes, but also in a bird's eye view kind of manner. So Right, um, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the choice again of this the medium here, I mean, you couldn't do this in live action. It'd be yeah. very bizarre to have everyone's face look the same with some CGI effect. And even traditional yeah. animation wouldn't look real enough. The thing that I love about this film too is it's a very, unlike Coraline, which is very heightened in terms of the look of the character design and the world, this this world is very realistic. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it captures business travel solo in a hotel. Like I've done that many times. You know, the mm-hmm. room looks like that. There's the little towel there and these are the 
you know, three day, a three year old or three month old magazines. They're all kind of the same thing. And that is an isolating experience doing those, those business trips. Um, Mm -hmm. and you feel that because the world is so real. I mean, I just, the, the amount of detail they put into this is just incredible. Um, in terms of the the set and production designs, but if you if this was animated like cell animated or CGI animated, it wouldn't land on you as much, I think, as what this what this movie does. So the stop motion really does play a big a big role in it for sure. Totally. Well, another stop motion movie I really really like. So I guess I'm changing my <laughs> tune. On it this. sounds like it. Yeah, you're slowly. Uh, <laughs> Uh, much like uh, him, I guess these are anomalies that you're seeing. Oh, they're not all the same, and you know there are some some artistry in the stop motion films. Uh, but yeah, no, this, I never like... doubted that for sure. Okay. <laughs> the artist was always there. It was more like you know, do I love these movies? And yeah, these two I do for sure. Yeah, yeah, I, I just always it was you know always hard watching this film because I just think it does capture this the the most for me at least the hardest feelings of loneliness are the ones where you're surrounded by people but you still feel this way. I think the movie yeah. does a really good job of capturing it. Yeah. And like you said, it sort of shows you the whys behind it. You know, right. what is in your control and what isn't in your control? What can you do about it? How do other people see you? Uh, there's just so many layers to that. And, you know, you see all of it, essentially. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Um, and then you there's some, like, interesting Easter egg sort of things, too, in the movie is that, is Anomalisa or Lisa, I guess, is she even real? Right, um, right. You know, mm-hmm. and the whole thing with the doll and all mm-hmm. of that. So there's some like classic Charlie Kaufman kind of, you know, Russian doll things that you have to scratch your head on a little bit. What did you make of all of that? Yeah, it's funny. Like I I'd heard about those theories after I saw it the first time and I did not go. Yeah. I have this movie is not a movie. I think maybe I. Yeah, this might be the second time I've seen it, actually, but it had Same. that much of an impact on me. Um, so this time in watching it, I was looking for that theory or um, potential, like uh, the fact that it could all be in his mind. And I definitely saw it. Um, I don't know what it is. In a way, it actually makes the movie sadder. Uh, because then it's like he's inventing his his uh, solution instead of finding a real person, even though he squanders that chance. This is mm-hmm. he's never even going to find the chance. And he's inventing it in an inanimate object of this doll and pretending mm-hmm. that it, this is the the person that um, can kind of free him of this trap that he's placed himself in because he is he needs introspection and to not be mm-hmm. so so incredibly selfish. So w- what did you make of that? And is that something you picked on, up on the first time you saw it? Oh, no, um, it's only after after I read things and I was like, oh, okay, I guess that does kind of make sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not sure, you know, because on one hand, that theory does hold up, but then you see her, you know, in the car and such with the friends. So then at the end, yeah. At the end. So you wonder if, if I guess she is real, but maybe he did, maybe they did meet, but then maybe nothing else really happened after who knows. Right, right, right. But that's why, I mean, Charlie Coffin's one of my favorite um, filmmakers in the last 20 years and all of his movies can be just picked apart in all these different ways. And it's why I, I love returning to them. If even hard watches like this, because it does hit you and so, there's so many different ways you can attack it. Um, he's just such a unique talent. Really is. Um, and nothing is ever tied in a bow. You have exactly kind of right with it pass through it mm-hmm. analyze it and what have you but i think this is the one that he did what two years ago with jesse buckley and and all that was oh. very hard to watch and also because mm-hmm. it came out during the pandemic maybe yeah. someday i should revisit it but this one um uh, is definitely something 
that really stands out in his filmography to me. Yeah, no, for me too, definitely. And I, I think it does go back to like the art form of the stop motion and what he yeah. can have even more control um, over uh, visually what's going on in the, in the film because he's such a control, like in his screenplays are so tight and controlling mm. and, and things. So I wonder if, uh, I wonder if I'll ever return to the medium. We'll see. Mm. Mm. Okay, uh, now on to your number one. What do are, what are we got for your number one? All right. So we're going a little bit back in time. Uh, my number one is The Apartment from 1960, directed by none other than Billy Wilder, starring oh, yeah. Jack Lemmon, Shirley MacLaine, Fred McMurray. Uh, two Fred McMurray movies back to back and two Billy Wilder movies back to back. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> that's uh, true. <laughs> double indemnity in this one. Yeah. I guess for me, this movie kind of encapsulates a lot of the themes that we've been talking about, which is... Mm-hmm. You're lonely, you're not really prioritizing yourself, but you're also making bad choices that perpetuate your loneliness. Um, So, yeah, it sort of, you know, combines all of those themes for me. Um, But on top of that, I mean, this is one of, once again, one of those masterpieces. One of the greats. Movies, one of the greats that will always live and, um, and, yeah, from head to toe, it's just the world and the detail and the performances and the writing, the direction, filmmaking, all of it is just, you know, so, so strong. And which is why I watched this actually many, many times. It's one of the few movies on this list, actually, because they're all kind of movies about loneliness. Right, right. They're not easy to go back and watch. And maybe some I wouldn't uh, again, for perhaps. But this one I have watched many, many times, and that's sort of kudos to Billy Wilder that mm-hmm. it's so funny and lighthearted and real and relatable, but yet has such depth to it. Oh yeah, which is such a hard balance to strike. But that his that is his signature attribute, I think, when I mm-hmm. think about Billy Wilder. Uh, but curious, if, I'm sure you'd watched this before. Yeah, this uh, Billy Wilder's uh, big, uh, you know, he's in my pantheon of my favorite directors. Yeah. Uh, and this is a film that I, I is is a, is a masterwork. He's had several of them, but this movie is just incredible um, on all the things you touched on. Um, but I, uh, I was really paying a lot of attention this, this on this rewatch too, like the loneliness factor and it. And it was um, obviously it was obvious, you know, when I first saw it back in, uh, I think in college early on, it was one of the later Wilder movies that I came to um, that, uh, both the uh, the two main leads, they're 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 lonely and they're all, they're being taken advantage of because of that. And it's oh, like yeah. a feeling of loneliness that you have can um, like allow others to kind of use that against you, um, and you just get run over constantly. Not literally, yeah. but you know, like he, they're abusing no, they're him for using over. his apartment. You know, yeah. she's basically being used around the office by all these guys, and they have no intention of actually you know having a real relationship with her. Um, so it's uh and 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 if, when you feel lonely, it's easy to be taken advantage of. Is sort of what I was thinking this time. Is mm-hmm. that said? Is that a theme mm-hmm. you were picking up on too? Oh, totally. And it perpetuates, right? Like I was saying, that if you don't prioritize yourself, and then you made bad decisions, and then people take advantage of you, you become yeah. a doormat. Yeah. The whole cycle then repeats, mm-hmm. uh, and and that's a feeling. You know, it, it's a hard trap to get out of for sure yeah. i think in my life i've been the loneliest when like you were saying with the previous movie where i've actually been lucky to have a lot of people and and things to do around me 
but it's when I myself have trapped myself in some sort of a trap, not to use the trap word trap again. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And I think that part really resonates with me that how you can sort of find yourself locked up in that way. uh, And then people just keep using you until Mm -hmm. you really have to call it and make some serious changes. Um, And that's sort of the other beauty of this movie is that you really see the arc of these people. Yes. Throughout the movie. And and it's done in a very earned way to use that word again. Mm -hmm. Because changes in life and changes in your own personality just don't happen, you know, just suddenly. You have, you try a little, you fail. It's like one step forward, three steps backward. And I Mm -hmm. think you see a lot of that especially with Shirley MacLaine's character, you almost think that she's out of it. She's good. And then you're like, oh, you're back with him again for New Year's Eve. Yeah. But that's what happens in real life. Yeah, But then something really strikes her and she just leaps out of that place and and is back with him, uh, Jack Lemmon's character. And even that reunion is not, you know, some head over heels, heightened, you know, oh, I've been waiting for you in my life sort of thing. No, they just sit together, have some champagne and play some cards. I, yeah, I love the ending. I yeah. just love that. You Incredible. know, that's sort of what happens. And that's the genius of the movie. It's real and relatable, but also totally cinematic and magical. Mm-hmm. Exactly. No, it, it does both of those things. And it could have easily gone the... I guess I'll use the word cheesy, like the cheesy romantic route. They're like a last right. chance Harvey. Ch- oh, now we're like in love and that's what helped both of us. I mean, you you assume maybe they they're, they start dating or they're maybe together at the end. But it, at that point, it, the fact that they both helped each other overcome that cycle that they were stuck that's in the is, is, the, is the main thing. Exactly. That's like, okay, well, they both did this for each other. Um, and if they stay together, great, maybe, if they continue to help each other. But they've already done what they I think need to do in each other's lives. And it could just mm-hmm. be that that's it. And that they you know, maybe they never like, you know, ha- are romantically involved after that. Mm-hmm. Who knows? But it doesn't you don't need to know that. And I like how the movie ends in that way is such a great, uh, such a great ending. Totally. Very Billy, Billy, very Billy Wilder, too. Like he never usually yeah. likes having uh, sort of a very uh, like, yeah, kind of cut and dry ending. on his Yeah. Films. Yeah. And that's sort of the other thing as well is that Sometimes, at least I've experienced this when I've been lonely, you're sort of looking consciously or unconsciously for like that sure thing or a person. But the point is that if you just prioritize yourself and make room for somebody else to enter, even if they're there just for like a short period of time or a temporary period of time, that's okay because that right. can really do wonders. You know, we're we're well. To me, that's one of the beauties of humanity is like you make these different relationships regardless of for what time, you know, they might be relevant in your life, but they all add up. They're all part of your story and your narrative. And you, you kind of really see that with these people, like you said. Right. Oh, definitely. And and that's, again, where like that feeling of loneliness can be. You feel like you're not doing that and meeting those people. And yeah. it's just down to you in your own life. And that is a very lonely and sad feeling. I mean, we're social creatures. Uh, we're mm-hmm. meant to uh, interact with one another and help each other and, and um, you know, help each other in many different ways. And uh, that's another reason why I think a lot of when I was looking at all these films, uh, both your list and mine, it, the lessons in this is just you got to, you know, I guess there was some mental health with some of the characters. So that is a whole different story. Uh, but if you are just sometimes feeling down for certain periods of time in your life, you know, just kind of put yourself out there. 
And it's because yeah. it's not necessarily just you that has to overcome that feeling. It's you you meet somebody, even if it's just a conversation or you know, a weekend or just something can like dig you out of that. And then boom, like Mm -hmm. now you're throwing the key in the guy's face and they're never using your apartment again. You know, (laughs) I totally agree. Um, Can I just say also on a tangent, like that office party is (laughs) insane. Back in the day, they used to have budgets and they'd spend it on their employees. And we live in a time now where, you know, they don't do that anymore, but uh that I looks mean, fun. That aside, though, like the revelry that's happening in this office party. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. It's people, just yeah. unbelievable to me where people are making out in corridors and yeah, corners. People and, used to party. People used to party, and now they don't anymore. And maybe that's why, as a society, we're a lot lonelier. <laughs> I guess. Although, I mean, in, in the office context, the whole thing, I had forgotten about that whole scene. And when I started, oh my gosh, I remember this and remember, you know, thinking about like, what a weird world. I don't know how much of that is true. It probably is true. I, I feel, yeah, it was, it was pre HR departments, I think. I guess. Maybe that's the, <laughs> that's the difference. So. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, what, what a, jo- it's hard to use the word joy, but this movie is joy it's to me. It's funny. It's a funny it's movie. sad way. Right. I no, I, I think it's yeah. very funny. And that's Jack Lemon is just so good in this. Oh, I mean, just an yeah. incredible performance uh, where he is kind of, he's playing a sad sack, but yeah. it's in a way where you don't feel, you feel bad for him, but it's not like, oh, this guy sucks. Like, you know, I wouldn't want to be around him. He's a cool, he's a cool kind of guy. Um, He yeah. just is lonely. So he's being taken advantage of, but he does such a good job and it make, keeps it funny. Um, yeah great film yeah and so is shirley mclean like just yes. the way yes. her face is lit uh and the way she kind of even shows up in those first scenes she kind of looks like and maybe we're seeing her from his point of view uh and maybe that's why she's lit up the way she is lit up and that's almost like a trick like you don't really see that this person from the inside would be that lonely and that sad and making mm-hmm. those choices because she seems so effervescent and light and amazing mm-hmm. that seems like the happiest person there might be yeah so they pull a trick on that but this is true in real life people mm-hmm. who are captivating and charming and attractive and what have you you never know what's going on inside actually yeah that's a really good point totally yeah you never know how lonely people are so yeah always kind of be open to help you know be nice to other people and helping them because you never know how lonely they might be feeling yeah all right well that was our list uh what a joy (laughs) yeah actually it was you know it ended on a nice note right yeah i think so i think so uh were there movies that didn't make your list yeah there were a couple um another charlie coffin film her um i also Mm -hmm. had uh, magnolia castaway edward scissorhands and lost in translation what about uh what about you Really good movies. I had her to Paris, Texas, and The Holiday, which we've covered before. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Nice. Um, great. So yeah, glad we kind of ended on a good note. Hopefully for the listeners, it wasn't uh wasn't that, you know, tough and, and depressing of a listen. And that, you know, <laughs> maybe uh our our voices can can give you some some joy in your life so you're not feeling lonely. Just put our podcast on and, and hear us chat. Oh yeah, exactly. Um so what do we got coming up uh next episode, Karan? Yeah, we're going in a very different territory. Uh, so tax day is coming up. So we mm-hmm. thought it'll be fun to talk about movies that shaped our thoughts and views on money. Yeah. Although yeah. there can be loneliness and sadness with too much money. Good point. Some say. Yeah, I we'll have say to see. So. We'll have to see what the movies say <laughs> in uh, in two weeks. 
uh, yeah, folks, definitely come back then. If you haven't yet subscribed to our show, please do so on your podcast of choice so you don't miss the money episode that's coming up in two weeks so we can just drop right into your feed. And uh, yeah, until then, Karan, then uh, talk to you later. Talk to you later. Ring-a-ding-ding. ding <laughs>